You're listening to The Poncho Section, conversations about all things media and Mel Brooks. It's a podcast. And here's your hosts, Michael Canfer and Ethan Feldstein. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Poncho Section. Today, we once again are speaking with the creators of Varia, the original first-person card game. And this time... There's more. Today, our good friend Eric Greenop is filling in for our co-host Ethan Feldstein. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Sean and Ant back to the Poncho section. Hey, thanks for having us again. Woo! Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Woo! Hooray! <laughs> yes. So, welcome back. Um, you guys have uh, some exciting stuff going on right now. Um, actually, the day that we record this, your Kickstarter was, what do you say? Is it opened? It released? Uh, it launched. It yeah, launched. launched. Yeah, it launched today go. at Words. 11 a.m. Yeah. Right? 11 a.m. And yeah. it's very exciting stuff. You guys are, if I'm not completely mistaken, and uh, I've, I've tried learning how to read for, for this episode, uh, it seems that you guys are making new classes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we are um, basically the Kickstarter is to add an additional seven classes to the game. So the original launch of the game had seven classes. Uh, we have this, we have attributes, is what we call it. It's kind of how we divide up our different classes. So very similar to a RPG where you have strength, dexterity, spirit. Our attributes are kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of our decks aligns with one of those. So with this Kickstarter, we want to introduce another seven decks, one for each attribute to kind of really flush out the game and, and give players a lot more options in both the type of character that they can play as and also if they want to build their own class, they'll have m- uh, more breadth in terms of you know different options that they can use. That's Very that's cool. really the the goal. And and I want to add on to that. If if we end up going and surpassing our Kickstarter goal and, and hitting some of these stretch goals that we've set out for ourselves, um, we're going to have an additional. Uh, it's it's three different Four. classes. Well, three different classes and then a super stretch goal. I like to call it, um, which is is, mm, is right. substantially higher than the other three were um and then that's the fourth potential class so there is seven plus up to four additional ones there on the line um so 11 classes total we're looking at and all of them um uh, should be the first the next seven i should say the next seven that are for this kickstarter that are the base classes those are all the single attribute classes again they're going to flesh out that that attribute and and make it get to feel um another aspect of that attribute the other four though are unique in that they are some of varia's some of varia's first dual um attribute uh class decks Uh, and the last one the one that's the really the super stretch goal um is everything like we we've thrown the kitchen sink at that guy it's it's weird it's it's all of them and and also none of them (laughs) <laughs> without kind of revealing what it is it's we've uh we've come up with a way to kind of you know Vari is a deck building game right it's it uses collectible cards and you build a deck that kind of represents your your character you essentially right um most deck building games they have costs associated with the cards that 
limit what you can put into your deck so that you can't just simply take all of the best cards and slam them together and make some kind of super deck. Um, so our attributes are what do that for us. And our, as Sean keeps calling it, the super stretch class, this Aeon is what we call it, simultaneously contains all the attributes, uh, but is also still limited in a different way. So mm. it gives you that feeling of being able to put whatever you want in the deck. So that feeling of unlimited power, but it's still limited in a different way that makes it fair. Okay. So well, we're kind I'm of excited. playing around with that idea. Yeah, hopefully you guys hit that so we can see what it is. But uh, the first, the seven ones that are, are definitely part of this expansion, uh, we have Sorcerer, Spell Sword, Cleric, Druid, Fencer, Bard, and Ranger. Yep. Yes. Which, for some reason, yesterday when I was going over this in my head, I kept saying Spell Sword, which was driving me nuts. Uh, but I, the part, part, thing I'm curious about, so the the other classes, the previous ones, have different different types of names than the i guess what you would typically find in uh um, yes like an rpg kind of thing so you have like volcanic warrior divine paladin mystic monk so i'm curious are these going to be uh the final names for the new classes or are we gonna end up with like a, a druid called like a nature guardian or mm. a bard called a silver tongue or something i mean yeah. feel free to use those if you like uh, <laughs> they're they're probably not very good but uh silver tongue's yeah, so, cool Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, we, um, so when we design a class, we start with a very basic feel. So we try to figure out like, so the way that Sean and I design games is we want to create a narrative and immerse the player. I think we talked about this a little bit the last time we were on the show where we want you like as you're physically playing the game, the things that you're doing and the mechanics that you're using should feel like what we're telling you you are. So if we say you're an assassin, you should have an item that is a vial of, po of poison that you sit on top of your weapon and that causes your weapon to apply poison to your opponent, right? Like that kind of gameplay pattern of pick up poison, sit on dagger, hit opponent with dagger, they get debuff. You know, right. Um, so what we do is we just say like, okay, what are we trying to make? So for example, bard, right? That is nothing more than saying at the core of that deck, you should feel like a bard. You should have an instrument of some kind. You know, you should be stringing together songs or whatever. But, but that core gameplay should make you feel like you're a bard. But then what we like to do to kind of differentiate ourselves is we then say, okay, we've captured it. We have something that feels like a bard. Now, how do we make it a Varia bard? Mm -hmm. How is our bard different from every other bard out there? If you run a Google image search for bard, whatever pops up, that's not what we want. Like, we right. want something different. Typically, so, I believe it's a gnome. Right, with like, with a, like loot. a loot, and they're like, da, da, da. yeah, you know, yep. yeah. So don't expect that. That's not happening. <laughs> Which I love um, the the look of the. Uh, I guess it's a potential guitar. Uh, mm, it looks yeah, like a, yeah, a, bass, an electric guitar. bass. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very cool. Uh, yeah. Make sure to check out the... Uh, that's going to be our, our motto of, of tonight. Check out the Kickstarter. <laughs> and it has very cool fun. Yeah, so, 
so the um the old classes or not the old classes the original classes you're talking to Mm -hmm. so like for the volcanic warrior we started that one out as as simply just warrior that was it Mm -hmm. like we just wanted you to feel like a frontline fighter and then once we had that done we're like okay what would make this different well what if we added in magic right instead of them just being a purely physical like weapon user let's give them some kind of like really explosive fun elemental magic Mm -hmm. and that's ultimately what led us to having like a volcanic warrior type of thing sure and one thing I'm going to, I'm going to add to that, just because I think it's a prime example right in the first seven, the original seven, um, is, is that you'll notice that there is the sixth blade, right? That's, that is straight up just not a, a class name. It's not something you'll ever you know, go out to any um, fantasy style uh, card game or board game or fantasy style rule book. You know, you're just not going to see the sixth blade. Um, so, yes. Um, but internally, what we ended up doing is before it was known as the Sixth Blade, because we we tried out a bunch of other things. Internally, um, it was uh, the Golem, basically a Golem type class, um, and that was that was a hundred percent kind of uh, uh, in response to one of our first playtests. And, and I think I mentioned this as well. Um, one of our first play tests, there was a guy who um, I think it was uh, uh, this guy put the feedback on because he, he commented about it during the play test. We had about 30 people there. And in the Google form that we sent out afterward, he goes and he writes, I would like to be an androgynous um, golem, something, something. It was, it, but the androgynous golem portion is what we, we honed in on. Um, but he had this long flowing description of what he wanted to play. And, and you could see this guy had it in his mind's eye, the perfect character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and we took it and we said, okay, well, uh, what, what can we do with this to give this person the feel that they're looking for out of a, um, if you're familiar with the genre, a tankier character, you know? Right. And so, so we, we named it uh, internally for the longest time. It was called Gollum, Gollum. right? Just Gollum. <laughs> Not, not yes. The ring is great, Gollum. <laughs> you know, this is this is more of just like um, stonework, like right, right. Um, and and it it wasn't until we we uh, took that spin when we worked with our narrative uh, and and our uh, um, uh, conceptual teams uh, and the artists that that really fleshed out the character as to um, what the story would entail and how that would affect the bards. Excuse me, not the bard. The um, the golems naming right um and so that's really where where that thing spawns from so these things that you see here the sorcerer the uh spell sword the cleric these are generic titles to the class that we internally use yeah mm-hmm. and then from there we're going to um as we get our narrative our um team has better vision on things it'll dial it in right it in. I, I like to say that we haven't met them yet right yeah. like we've designed the decks already we know how the sorcerer plays like we have the meat there like the mechanics are there they're sound we have the spell sword we know how that class should play we know what the druid should do um it's not until we run the concept like when we hire an artist and we say hey this is kind of like the crux of what we have here this character is a sorcerer 
in the game they're going to do A, B, and C, right? So give me some ideas for different designs that you think would fit that pattern. I have no idea what that artist is going to come back with. Mm-hmm. They're, they're throwing stuff at the wall. So they'll send us you know, three, four different designs. Sean and I will sit down and pick one, right? And as we're picking one and we go back to the artist and we say, we like this, we didn't like this. While we were looking at your third one, we got an idea. Can you add this in? The character just kind of takes shape mm-hmm. and, and it really starts to create these like additional layers that makes them more unique. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, it's really cool to just kind of see them create themselves in a sense. Like, the Death Pirate for the longest time was just, I mean, we just called them, they were just pirate. Like it wasn't even death based. It was just pirate. And right. then we started trying to f- figure out how should we represent this mechanic of making the opponent feel uneasy because what the Death Pirate does is they make you roll your dice twice and you have to take the lower result. Mm. And so I don't remember which one of us was like, well, what if it was kind of like this death magic that, you know, made her look kind of like scary. And then that's what is making the opponent feel uneasy. And from there, it just, she, she slowly became the death pirate. But in the beginning, it was just pirate, you know, and, and gotcha. we got to meet her along the way, which is always like a lot of fun. And when you, when you see them, like for the first time, you're like, that's, that's the death pirate i like, you don't know what they're gonna look like until it happens and then all of a sudden it's like you can't go backwards and and if i can just r- real quick add to that the death pirate one of the other things that really because the, the inspiration right for death came along um as, as i was saying along the line but the inspiration uh, one of the big the big things is i think it was we watched coco um, and I, I remember going and yeah, I did. Coco, Coco had come right. out around that same time, mm-hmm. and it, it, there was a a a, a familiar. And I don't mean that by like, oh, it's it's. Um, I recognize this. I meant a more of a a bonds family bonds. There was a yeah. more of a, fa- a familiar type feel to how Coco interacted. It hit you on a different level um, as a as a movie, and then um, we we saw that that death could also not only be scary, but it could be something more um, through, through that. And, and we kind of just uh, immediately kind of as, as we went and we, we saw the potential for it to arise in the, the pirate, we, we decided we kind of want to take it in the cocoa direction. I remember that right. was part of the style guide. actually. Yeah. 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 We, yeah, you're right. I totally forgot about that. We basically, I mean, the real answer is that like, we keep things very fluid on purpose because like when, when you put something in a box from day one, Sean and I are both engineers. Mm-hmm. What, like we met at school, we were learning to be engineers. And one of the things that they always teach you is like, you have to identify what your constraints are, but you have to also not put yourself in a box because when you put yourself in a box, you're unable to think creatively in order to arrive at, a solution that you might not know exist when you first get the problem, right? And so we tend to work that way when we're designing our decks because like what ends up happening is you have your core, you're working out, trying to figure out like, okay, 
okay, well, we have these mechanics, like what kind of visuals are going to fit these mechanics? We try some things, maybe they work, maybe they don't work, let it percolate for a little while. And then all of a sudden we'll go watch a movie. It'll resonate, whatever that movie is, and totally take us down a different path, right? And if, if we're too rigid, then that kind of stuff doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so we were already kind of going down this idea of like a death pirate. We, we weren't quite sure how we were going to do it. And then we saw Coco and we we're like, we really like this idea of necromancy, but done in a different way. Cause like in all games and video games, it's the necromancer is always this evil dude who's like on the outskirts of society. And, and like, they're more likely to be the villain mm-hmm. than somebody friendly. And Coco made us think, how would we do a necromancer, but in a positive kind of like uplifting way? And that's how we arrived at this idea that our death pirate, she, her magic is that she summons her ancestors' spirits and channels them into her own body. And then in doing so, she temporarily gains their abilities. So they kind of fight with her. And it's this very um, family feeling thing where it's, oh, my uncle was in all him into my body. And in doing so, I'll become a master marksman. Right. I dig it. I'm playing off of like the whole movie kind of thing and actually sort of pirate thing. Uh, I'm very curious about the fencer because when I hear that, I think of Princess Bride and I'm I'm thinking of Inigo Montoya and he'll have like a move like Sun's Revenge or something like that. You killed my father. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, (laughs) a... So I will say that that is a big inspiration for the for the class. Yeah, that kind of uh, black arrow, like sort of swashbuckler type of deal. Um, and at the same time, it takes inspiration from. There's a character in the in the manga Berserk, um, who. So the the main character of that manga is Guts. He's this like super tough insanely strong dude who has like the most brutal sword and like fighting style imaginable he's like straight aggression 100 percent of the time and so there's this like counter character to him who is very composed very um precise in their movements they use a very thin uh almost uh like fencer like blade and they counter him not because they're able to go blow for blow, but because they really think about the battlefield and how to stand in the perfect place. Our fencer is rooted in intellect. And so some of the moves that are in that kind of core gameplay loop revolve around you kind of outthinking and outpositioning your opponent rather than just outpowering them. Sure. And very so, agile and nimble, I imagine. Right. Yeah. And also very like just precision like i'm gonna use this card in this exact spot for this exact reason Mm. and uh or learning so oh i've seen you do that move before so now i'm going to be better at defending against it this time around because i'm actively learning on the battlefield that's yeah that's what i was gonna i was gonna highlight is is you might take a hit once but now you right. understand how that hit came to you. You understand there's there's a learning through experience um, that you are able to do. And then that going forward um, should be able to help you gain some type of advantage um, through the combat. So, yeah. Very cool. Real cool. 
But I don't know who they are yet. They could be a slug. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to have a word with uh, the marketing team on that one. Yeah. Imagining a, a little slug dressed like a musketeer uh, equipped with a foil. Right. Slug of you know, hunt. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. A hat slug with a big feather. Oh. <laughs> God. Yeah. I'm curious. So I mean, we kind of have to do it now. I you know. might have to. Uh, and this might just be something that we'll have to learn once the the cards have been released. But I am curious what those what the similarities are, as well as what are like the new features that would set these classes apart from maybe some of the other games that would have similar classes. Like I'm sure D and D is like a perfect example of like you have bards and clerics and all this stuff. So I am, and it may just be something that we have to hold off and wait to hear and see what's what makes your uh druid or your cleric different than uh typical or the what you would i guess find in the regular player handbook on in D. &D. so so i'm I'm gonna go and immediately point you to um the sorcerer and then going Mm -hmm. and and point you directly down on the kickstarter page because the sorcerer and the bard are, are two that that we've spoiled some 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 uh, of the the concept art that we worked with some artists for um and so both of those you can kind of talk to in the sorcerer right it looks like just a a, a normal um kind of like a, a man right and you can see the, the the images on the left right that are kind of grayed out those mm-hmm. are some of the ones that um these are actually different iterations um so we kind of strung these together to put them all in one um but these are different stages of everything and and um, I'm going to say this, you're more likely cough, cough, wink, wink, nudge, nudge to get the thing on the far right. All right. Mm-hmm. Then you are the things on the, on the far left. And the reason why is, I mean, if you even open that up, right. Um, our sorcerer, if you, if you blow that up to its maximum, there's going to be some really interesting details about those, that, that image about how the sorcerer plays and it, it tips you off. Um, everything that we do here at Guildhouse Games on Varia is, is I, I want to say we try to make sure that there's no facet that feels reused from the initial class. But mm-hmm. what ends up happening is um, you get the core experience of, of the class. So um, I'm going to, I'm just going to say it because you can obviously go and find some of these details out yourself, but sure. that, that bottom right image, the, the eyeballs, there are six eyeballs to that sorcerer. I know it's really hard to see from the small image. You're going to have to blow it up, but like, <laughs> but like there are six eyeballs coming off this guy's head and they're all stalked. Like they come out of little stalks in his head. That, that guitar, right. For, for, for the bard mm-hmm. is, is, as you said, you've normally seen, um, you know, elves or some type of, of, um, uh, you know, liar playing, um, humanoid person that's, that's going there. And you normally see those liars, not so much as like a, a more aggressive feel to them. And you'll notice that, um, yeah, we're in charisma, but that, that, like the bar's class is charisma when I say we're in charisma, right? Mm-hmm. But that that charisma is coming off in a different way. You have a very aggressive, very strong-lined um, character, and 
you are expecting something of that rather than what you've normally seen in in D and D, what you normally see in your in your um, handbooks. Sure. Um, you might see some stuff from from more like uh, trying to think here. There might be some heavier metal mountain king style. You know, throw your your fist in the air and head bash. Um, that that has a little bit there, but we're trying to take it even one step further than that and really surprise you guys um, with that. And I don't want to go too far into the weeds to go and say what it what actually you know gives away, mm-hmm. but um, it's it's unique enough that we want Varia to have it feel separate uh, and and have its own story element to it. So when you say, oh, it's a Varia bard, you're not getting the the bard that's just going to sit there and buff your team. You're going right. to get a, a bard that's in your face and more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. And I, oh, oh, looks like Eric wanted to say something. Yeah, I wanted to ask something. This might kind of steer into another discussion. But one word that I've noticed that comes up a lot is story. And I was yes. wondering... What, if any, plans you have for creating a uh, a connected story or fleshing out a world or anything like that? Yeah, uh, many, 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 many plans. Um, we have we have way more lore that like developed than we have actually revealed. Um, that was one of our biggest kind of feedback things from our first set of seven mm-hmm. was that uh people wanted more lore and we have it we just didn't deliver it enough and i think that that's something that uh on this second set you'll see a lot more of um but we have uh, huge documents of like interconnected stories and how different characters and um their worlds kind of like connect or don't connect and what's driving, you know, kind of like the greater ethos of things like that all exists because we want the writing and the imagery that you do see to feel like it's grounded and it, and it does kind of come from this greater place. Um, you know, it's kind of like uh, before the prequels ever released, like George Lucas would always talk about like, oh, before I could write, episodes four, five, and six, like I needed to write one to two and three because I needed to know who Darth Vader was and where he came from, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we kind of did a similar exercise where we know where a lot of our characters came from and like what they've gone through to to be, for example, the Dragon Knight, this class that um, we're releasing in about a month. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that character's entire story. We know what happened to them, how they became the Dragon Knight, who they used to be. Like, there are so many story beats there. When you pick up the deck, do you get all of them? No. You maybe, maybe 15%, right? But that 15% is written from a place where we know what that kind of like greater narrative is so that his world does feel lived in and his story does feel like there's more there, like, like that you would want to learn more about that character. So we definitely would love to like expand that lore not only through the game but also through other means either through web content or you know graphic novels would be my absolute dream 
Um, That'd be cool. I have a really interesting idea for um, YouTube videos, but this is like so far from now. Um, where it's essentially, I'm not even get into it because I'll, I'll you'll derail me for the next hour and a half. <laughs> but basically, we have a lot of different ideas for how we can deliver lore. We just want to make sure that we don't let that distract us too much from making sure that the game is a good game. Yeah, first and um, foremost, it's a game, right? Not, right. You know, right. you don't jump into making a a toll media franchise. You got to start small, right. focus. We got to sell comic books good. before the Avengers exist, right? Before like, before right. you can get the MCU, so, you got to write the comic books. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. right. Exactly. Otherwise, it's and, just like, can you imagine just going to pitch that and, and people have never heard? Of <laughs> yeah, you get you get laughed out of the, the room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like wait, you you want to do what? I want to do a twenty-two movie arc. Okay, <laughs> one guy, one guy. His power is that he made a suit out of trash in a cave. Okay, like what? What are you talking about? Yeah, another guy. He came. He comes from space. He rides a rainbow, <laughs> like yeah, to a, to to another planet. That planet is Earth. He falls in love with a girl in a coffee shop in New York. They'd be like, "You're nuts! Like you're you're an insane person." Amazing. It, yeah, and, it might be better having it explained in that way than the actual movies are. <laughs> yeah, I should. I should just talk. I should just talk about like. What are the Marvel movies? Well, you got a guy who builds a suit out of trash. You got a dude who yeah. rides a rainbow to Earth. You got a guy who got drunk and turned green and had like roid rage or something. And you got Paul Rudd in there. Just, yeah, just Paul, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd shows up. <laughs> you have no idea where he is like most of the time. What's happening? So good. Oh, this and there's an be... old dude from oh. the 40s dressed in yeah. his pajamas. <laughs> He throws the yeah. frisbee. <laughs> Basically. So this might yeah. actually be, this is in the same realm, but it, and it might be pushing too much into maybe future ideas or whatever. But I was curious for like the cleric um, that at least in my mind uh, alludes to that there are some form of gods within the, uh, the, the world of Varia. And I'm curious if it's, in this iteration, if there's it's a single singular focused uh, deity that this cleric focuses on, is there multiple? And if there's a singular for this one, would possible future uh, releases involve? Well, I can play this this cleric a little differently because they worship this god, mm-hmm. or maybe like a, a warlock version because they fo- they worship or they're they're connected to this evil entity. Yeah. So here's here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to jump in here and then I'm right. going to give you a, a nitty gritty real quick. And then I'm going to let Ant go and do his, you know, guy in pajamas, 30,000 foot spiel. Okay. <laughs> um, the the idea in Varia is that there is a lot of realms. We want to have have realms essentially tied together. Realms allow us to go and and have a breadth of stories. And then as as you've mentioned it, you know, um, uh, Eric, the the ability to tie them together with an MCU type feel would would be great. It's it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, Ant, you're right. We're, we're, as as Ant says, I should say, we'll get laughed out. So we have all these different realms, and and the cleric is actually one of our. I, I don't want to say our oldest of these seven, right? Um, it was it was conceptualized around the time where the first seven got released actually around the same generation we 
we conceptualize the character um, for the faith-based class based on um, a worshiping of a, a, a deity. Like, how do you do that? And how do you maintain the abilities that way uh, you can, that cleric could always worship someone different, right? And so we've we've taken steps to try to make sure that the worshiping that's going on in there, you can tailor it to the type of cleric that you want to become. Hmm. That said, gods and stuff exist within realms in, in Varia. Characters exist within realms. Those realms can be separate from other realms. Um, and you'll notice that we have a, whenever we have any character class, uh, that's out there uh the 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 classes that are there always will have in the character's deck usually a cosmic or abyssal card one or the other guaranteed um the cosmic and the abyssal are i'm trying to avoid getting to to too much into it are, are going to be some of the things that in our story lore are going to tie things together um, and, and those are the ways that will tie the, the realms together. Um, so cosmic and abyssal have, have a special place in, in Varia regarding that. Um, and you see them as, as the ability between worlds almost like, so your gods are on potentially just a, a realm, a world. Um, but that doesn't mean that they are confined only to that should somehow, you know, a, a, a realm, uh, um, meet. I'll leave it like that. Yeah. So, uh, just from a from a mechanical standpoint, so I'm a huge D and D fan. So, well, one of my favorite things about uh, being a cleric was that you could pick your god, and in mm-hmm. picking your god, that kind of defined what you would do. Right? If you were a god of war, you would be on the front line. You would maybe summon your god's weapon. You would fight with it. If you were a god of um, healing or light, you were a you know, backline you know party healer that kind of thing it really choosing your god defined who you were and kind of how you might play that so um have a good way of doing that so we saved the cleric because we wanted to make sure that when we finally release the cleric that we would do it in such a way that would allow you to choose a god and in so choosing me, then if you would have picked another god, I I'm gonna I'm gonna tag onto that just because I know that it was very choppy. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I don't know what's so, going yeah, on so, my internet. Just just kill your kill your video stream and, and yell at Gail and be like, get off Netflix. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um yeah, so so real quick to to just kind of um, spit that one out we have the, the cleric set up in a way that you can choose to worship one of different gods within mm. this realm if you you can't because of varia's system of the way it is um you structure a going to a, a battle into a fight with another player you can only take um 30 uh, assets with you 30 30 gold worth of equipment or whatever it may be 30 period um if however your token that's representing your god is going to potentially cost more than than having you know 
if it's going to if if you're you have a limit there within how much you can take to the fight and then what ends up happening is your gods each have some type of limit to their relic um you can go and say hey i can only take you know two of these these gods relics to the fight and i can only then realistically worship two of these gods Mm. right so in the deck you'll be given more than two of of these of these potential choices and then you can pick and choose who you're worshiping and it'll affect then how the cards within the deck play because they change dependent upon what is being um, chosen as that yeah we we found a way to string it together really what i was trying to say before is that we wanted to include the cleric in the first set and but we we wanted to capture that feeling of picking your god and having whoever you picked uh make what you're doing different right Mm -hmm. and and quite get it like the way that we wanted Mm -hmm. it to work so we dropped the paladin instead and then we saved like we're we're in the the um vein of if it's not ready don't push it like we have a bunch of classes that like we have just made they're just there we know they work and they they just kind of sit over there in the event that whatever we're working on doesn't work we just sub in the one that we know will work right um but like the cleric that the the core like real kind of immersive gameplay loop is pick your god and then what you do is defined by your god and we have figured out a way to do that in an in an in like an innovative and also um easily understood way for our players and so that's really what we're excited about with this kind of kickstarter group is that the, this cleric um does that you get you pick your god in picking your god your abilities in your deck will function differently and so then the next time you play if you're you know a god of war instead of a god of light then you know your stuff is gonna do different things and feel more aggressive or whatever it has repeatability because that right yeah the cleric's cool because like you you can play it 10 times it's basically like getting you know let's say there are i don't know four different gods in the deck that you can worship that's like buying four classes instead of one right because each time you worship a different god and it'll feel and play differently that's a lot of possibility right very first well we want you to you know get your bang for your buck yeah you know that's nice yeah so i had some questions so yeah. i had some questions that kind of go back a little bit further into our into the conversation to the beginning of this podcast about the process of creating this expansion mm-hmm. um and i was wondering to start with if you could talk about some of the challenges of balancing a growing roster of decks Okay. Mm. Yes. Um, I, I can start with this one. because I'm going to let Sean like... do that. Yeah. Sean's our relative dev master. Like if anybody can break <sighs> a game quickly, it's Sean and his brother. Like they, they just, it's insane. Like, they have, in they matter, have the knack for it. Oh yeah. Like I, I send them, I cannot tell you the amount of times where I've come up with like a design, like, Oh, I think this is really cool. And I send it to Sean and he's like, yeah, it's broken. Here are all the ways that it's broken. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> He's like, it's a good uh, idea, so, but it's broken. Yeah. So I, I, um, I will say this. A, a lot of times, those broken ideas, though, garnish 
some of the, the coolest interactions that you didn't expect coming and you're able to retool what the actual card does in, in, in the 11th hour just enough to catch that interaction to make it fun um to make it like the the center point and make it really stand out um but to get you an idea the dragon egg comes out this fall right it comes out actually in about a month ish um one of the interesting things is has been balancing the dragon knight the dragon knight is on i'm going to pull up the the oops i just closed out of it i'm going to pull up the the our internal document here i'm pretty sure it's on mark 17 right yeah. um yeah, yeah we number is, our classes like iron man <laughs> yeah yeah so, <laughs> so it's it, so the, it's on mark 17 was, was is the last one that's in the folder right now and that is all 100 percent because of of um balancing and and gameplay related tweaks that we had so to we've make. had 17 um, iterations of the dragon knight before arriving yes. on the one that's yeah. coming Re- out this fall recorded recorded yes. recorded ones so yeah, there, yeah, there may be more true, sometimes oh, yes. oh yeah sometimes <laughs> i'll make a change that'll be like mark 15.5 you know because we haven't yeah. set it into basically each mark means that it made it to play testing so like mm, yeah. mark one is the first version we play test it usually 99 percent of those cards don't make it out of that play test um yeah but as we get you know more refined what we'll do is we'll we'll play test we'll discuss afterwards you know what worked what didn't work what needs to be changed slightly and then we'll make the changes and then review them and and that's we'll call them like point one point two point three it's not until we take one of those because we'll send them back and forth. Like, well, I don't really like that one. I don't think we should tweak it here. We should tweak it here, blah, 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 right? There's like conversation that occurs. It's not until we both are like, okay, yeah, this one's ready to be tested that we bump it up to say like, this is Mark 17. That one will be play tested. It'll come back with notes. We'll do the same thing, you know, 17.1, two, three, whatever. And then when we're happy with it and we want to test it again, that one will become 18. So and the the in betweens like those that are they don't get saved because they're yeah. they're like half classes so they all just you know get thrown out. That's wild. Yeah. So so to give you an insight, Eric, mm-hmm. on this one, you have to go and um, originally before the great malware struck the entire world, um, that being COVID, mm. uh, the entirety <laughs> of of our playtest I could parallel process. By going and we, we would have, you know, playtest events whereby we had people come in, sign NDAs, um, basically playtest a mark, right? And we'd only playtest marks that we felt were solid, right? We felt like these are something that um, we could probably ship. And then they, I would have, you know, 60 bodies in a room and you'd be able to break something almost instantly, right? It was mm-hmm. it was great. You'd you'd actually have um, you'd use a, a, you know just stats to go and plot who's going to play up against who. How does the, you know the dragon knight compare against the um, the paladin? Right? Um, how does it compare against the 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 death pirate? How does it compare against different things? Um, that was all prior, right? I could use a lot of people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right now, um, uh, the hardest thing is being able to parallel. 
And the reason for that is because I'm unable to view everything that's going on. And sometimes um, if you just parallel without people who, who you know, because you don't want to go and have everyone know 100% of how to play the game. You want people who are new that are coming in. You want people that are fresh eyes um, every time. And those people kind of need guidance when you when you when you do a parallel uh, when you do any type of play test with them mm -hmm. um, because they're going to ask questions. They want to know how the game works. You know what's what's actually going on there, um, how an interaction occurs, um, and doing that digitally means that I'm the only person that really can interact with them. Or I have to sit there and and monitor one game rather than monitoring a batch of games all going at once. Yeah, you can't and physically becomes... walk around the room and check on exactly. Each, you each can't spot. walk up and down the tables. Yes, right. yes. And I used to do that, and like, that was my thing. You know, I just walk down, plop a spot right next to it, explain what was going on. A person had a question, just raise your hand. Basically, became judge. Right? Yeah. Um, I've been having trouble and basically not getting sleep for the last like month and a half oh, no. because I've been having to, I've been having to go and just do one at a time. Oh no. Like, oh, it, it's, it's been, it's yeah. been that I've asked a few um, very um, entrenched Varia players uh, to go and say, Hey, would you be interested to help with this? I know, you know, the rule set. Um, uh, could you provide feedback? Um, but what ends up happening is, is that, that is um, not something I want to rely on because at, at that point, you know, they're doing it out, out of the kindness of their own heart for, for most of those parts. It's like, I like the game. I want to see the game succeed. I'm going to help you out. Right. Right. But right. I can't rely on that as, as much. I, I'd love to. I just I can't do that 24 seven as as my primary. Yeah. So it has really slowed down balancing um, and balancing, though, is to get into the nitty gritty. It is sit the class down against the other class, right? And play stock out of the box, right? I go and I take a, what, what did it feel like? I have questions that I'll ask people, um, especially after the digital ones, I'm going and pulling it up here. Um, I go and I'll say like Dragon Knight, I'll have a match number. I'll have the deck they played against, what the ending health was, right? What the, uh, of the Dragonite as well as the opponent, whoever it was, how many turns the game lasted, um, and then I'll, I'll have some questions here that are basically, did it feel fair? It starts with, and then are there things that you didn't like, right? Things, things that are basically, I, I, and this is all under a, a giant notes section, but it's, it starts with, did it feel fair? Because sometimes people just don't like something because, oh, it didn't work out in my favor, Yeah, you know? And I don't want to open with that. I want to see, did it feel like this was a, a, a fight that you had a chance to win um, up all the way to the end and maybe just some one thing came in your way. Like, so I have like to did do it that. feel earned? Yes, yes. And, and I have to do that over and over and over again um, to the point where I just fill up spreadsheets and, and go, okay, I think we're, like right now, I, you know, on Mark 18, I'm, I'm, I'm still doing um, some last minute, making sure everything's good there, um, or 17 or what, I can't remember what it was. I have to go back to the sheet again. Um, Meanwhile, I'm talking to artists and I'm saying, can you paint this guy with green eyes? <laughs> Instead of blue eyes? <laughs> yeah. Maybe um, he should have a staff. Yeah. <laughs> brute force has been unfortunately my method of choice recently yeah. tabletopia shout out to 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 that because it's made um having players able to interact digitally um so much easier mm -hmm. um, yeah, i tabletopia started is awesome I, we re yeah. we just recently got 
so Varya um, is on Tabletopia right now for for free, like in their free section, you can play two of the classes. Demo. Yeah. Um, against each other. Yeah, it's a demo. But I mean, they're, they're the full classes. Like you can, yeah. it's the Volcanic Warrior against the Shadow Assassin. Um, yeah. And like anybody with a browser can can play yeah. against each other. So yes. like... Mike and I are going to have to Mike give that Blair. a shot. We, we yeah, tried it with a tabletop simulator and I... We we could we couldn't he Mike didn't have it so I had to stream my desktop and have him dictate what moves he oh wants to gosh. make and it was just it was <laughs> yeah, not working out yeah no you should definitely try out Tabletopia because like easily you can jump on it I guarantee like at the end of this call you could be playing in like five minutes it's super yeah. easy we'll have to try but it out. yeah it's um really like when when we're trying to balance decks like. So Sean alluded to this a little bit. One of our principal formats right now is called out of the box, right? Mm -hmm. And and the main reason why we created that format was because we wanted to have a low barrier to entry for players who are interested in getting into Varia because one of the most common kind of uh, hurdles, I guess, for collectible card games is you know do i want to buy into this like is it worth it because if but you want to you're be, talking about like buying a ton of booster packs right yeah or even like if you mm -hmm. just want to buy a competitive deck like let's say you wanted to go to a pokemon tournament next mm -hmm. friday with your friends right all your friends play pokemon you want to go with them next friday you could go to the store and just buy a pre-con deck sure right you're most likely going to get destroyed because the decks that you're facing are all highly tuned, right? And they're all highly competitive based on the meta. So we wanted to make sure that there was an option for the person who's not hyper-enfranchised yet. They're new, right? Mm -hmm. And so really what the out-of-the-box format does is it creates a competitive level where all you need to compete and be on equal footing as far as like card power is concerned is one class like just buy one class deck show up and you're at least your cards your game knowledge might not be up to par and you'll get beat because you'll make mistakes you won't get beat because your deck costs twenty dollars and your opponent's deck costs two thousand dollars right right so yeah, we wanted yeah. to make sure that we had at least one format that functioned that way like we do have constructed formats where you know, you would have to buy maybe like seven, eight different classes, mash them together into something much more powerful, right? And and kind of build your own class, essentially. Um, but that entry-level format is really where uh, we focus a lot of our dev time. And so what we'll do is we'll create a deck, we'll play it against all the other decks that exist, and we'll to what Sean was just saying, we'll not only figure out like who wins the majority of the time, who, who kind of has an edge based on what exists in their deck and what doesn't, but also does it, does it ever feel like completely unfair and like, like you have no chance whatsoever, blah, blah, blah. And, and we'll really try to balance that out so that um, in the meta, quote unquote, right? right. It, doesn't, it doesn't become this thing where 70% of the meta is playing Dragon Knight and 30% is playing the class that beats the Dragon Knight. Like, mm. we don't, we try to avoid that. 
by making sure that um, gameplay is relatively balanced and that each player has a semblance of hope, mm-hmm. no, no matter, you know, like what class you're, you're bringing to the table. So most of our time is spent there, making sure that that, that format rings true and is something that, that feels fair, if that makes yeah. sense. The- I'm going to add one addendum to that. And uh, that is that the ability to go and balance a, a, a non out of the box, any type of constructed format is also not only going to be limited by, you know, what you can do within our rule set, but our rules are modular. And so to be able to go and say, Hey, to your friends, Hey, I want to play with, you know, 15 asset points. You know, I want to play with um, 20 starting health. Um, I want to play with different different starting things that are going on there. Um, I won't be able to balance every single possible condition that's out there because some some decks might you know run out of steam early, or they might they might you know instead play for the long game. Um, and and so I I almost I always not even almost it is always. We will, we will always go and balance for right now um, the uh, out-of-the-box play. How does it feel um, for each deck? Yeah. Out-of-the-box. Cool. So you said the Dragon Knight is like on what, like version like Mark 17 or something? Yeah, so I, I think it's 17. Yeah. I'm fairly confident. I have 18, but I haven't posted it yet. What's, that, what, yeah. what, what class is like the, the most... Uh, marks most versions that it went through right now right now the dragon knight is the highest one okay i was gonna ask is anyone in like triple digits yeah no (laughs) no No. Uh, the dragon knight the dragon knight right now is the front runner um mostly because uh, so three actually three different reasons one um the we knew what we wanted the core gameplay hook to be was like we knew it going into it mm-hmm. but it took us a few iterations to get it right um and then when we did get it right we actually uh we realized that there were even better ways and and so it just caused a lot of like reworking of the same cards um and this the second so that was the main reason like finding that kind of like core chunk took longer than Tip like it does normally when we started getting into the um concepting phase where we had a really good idea of kind of like how the dragon knight was going to play um and then we were starting to figure out you know what they were going to look like uh the concept really drove a lot of um different cards to kind of enter the deck to really nail that that feel and so when we introduced all of those cards it caused a whole bunch of additional iterations that we had to run through. And then when we finally married them together, we realized that there was another mechanic that we could kind of just layer over top of everything and just bring it all together. But that mechanic caused us to, again, have to go back and like run through all of these different iterations. So it's, 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 a, it's interesting in that it's easily the, the class that has had the most revisions. but. I think that it is our, as of right now, the the best class that we've made, like both in terms of 
gameplay and also the narrative that kind of sits behind it like so much of the dragon knight's lore and story is felt through the actual gameplay of the cards that Mm -hmm. we didn't have to do a lot of exposition so a lot of the lore in the dragon knight is more um like quotes by people who you know live in the realm and like um reflections on you know maybe like what the character is feeling or or that sort of thing because the mechanics themselves are so on point to like what the actual story of this character is that uh that we really we really didn't it, it kind of like did our work for us like we didn't have to give you a card and then have flavor text that explains like oh the reason why this mechanic is here is because xyz is happening in the story like you live you actually live this character's story like over and over and over again and every time you play the deck you're forced to make the same decisions that this character had to make where it's like i have this dragon inside of me do i want to let it out early or do i want to try to restrain it and and like maintain my composure and then let it out later when it's more fitting to to the to the fight that sort of thing so like every time you play the deck you are like embodying this character um and that's thanks to because we set up so we set up a storyboard ahead of time yeah. as to each card yeah we approached how- the dragon knight very differently huh. yeah. and, and then and we I- did the first seven and we'll we'll approach we not will we approached the um the new classes in this same way it's like and and that was part of the reason why the dragon knight had so many iterations is because the first time around we did it the old way and then we realized like we can approach this honestly like a comic book where if you think about like reading a comic there's there's different pains right like each image is a pain that progresses a story so in the dragon knight like obviously when you're playing the game it's random like your deck is shuffled but what we wanted to do is like the way you play varia and you know you're laying out these cards on a timeline they're going the cards you plan are going to occur in an order so it's almost like reading a mini comic every turn you get these like three or four cards in a row and they happen in a sequential order that kind of tells a story I charge forward, I swing, I raise my shield and block, and then I backstep, right? Like those four actions kind of piece together an, an image in your, in your head. You can track kind of like what's happening in the fight. And so what we tried to do is use mechanics and art to reinforce the story beats so that when you play out like, you know, fire breathing and backstep and whatever, like, each of those cards is manufacturing the story of this character. And so once we started approaching it that way, it, we totally revamped like 90% of the deck because we started, we started thinking not so much in individual cards and how they might play against other individual cards. We started approaching designing the deck as a whole turn. Like if I play card A, B, C, and D, what's the story? If I instead played A, B, C, and E, what happens? If I replaced B with F, what happens? And we tried to make sure that no matter how you combine things in different ways, 
you're still going to get that kind of like overall narrative. And, and so this goes back to, to one of the things you asked about earlier, how we're talking about, we say story, we bring up story a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, uh, it's, if you, if you, anyone wants to watch our right and wrong section on, on YouTube, uh, it's one of the first things that we bring up. We did wrong. We didn't, we didn't, we had story elements, but we just didn't capitalize on all the assets and avenues that we can go and, and tell that story in. Um, and I, I really want to go and, and um, plug that the, the reason why we, we revamped, we had the Dragon Knight. It was, it was basically, you know, to a point where we were like, yeah, we're, we're starting to feel like it's, it's warm and fuzzies. It's all good. And then we got these um, uh, reviews that called us out on that. And, and the reviews, uh, you know, the community said, hey, what you know you guys you guys could do more here you guys have the ability to do this more and we're like they're right you know we 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 can do that and so we took we took the criticism the feedbacks that we were given um and we we went and we set about making sure that we brought a story fully to life through every avenue that we potentially could so we took all the uh, the actions, all the cards that are in the Dragon Knights deck. We storyboarded them. We wrote things. We made sure that when we played things out in certain timeline orders, um, it, it tells the story that we want to tell. I mean, we're when when I say story, I don't mean just the art on the cards. I don't mean just the lore on the cards. I mean the actual um, payment of the cards and and everything is yeah, is the decisions that you make like the decisions that we yeah. force the player to make are the same decisions that the character in the story was forced to yes. make yeah. that's really how we approached it like we want to put you in their shoes so it's like this character came to a crossroads and had to decide you know do i want to accept what i am or do i want to fight it and so we were like, how do we make the player have to make that same decision as like part of the core mechanic of the deck? And so that... So we bent the mechanics. For, I mean, not bent them. We made the mechanics match it. Right, exactly. Well, I mean, that sounds incredible. That sounds uh, definitely the best way I can imagine going about developing something. Definitely, you guys are taking the feedback and running with it in the right direction i know i'm excited to see what these uh these new decks hold i think the, was, i think there's a phrase what the the cards hold for the future but i didn't want to i didn't want to uh do a pun there but uh <laughs> i'm curious to see what these cards hold in the future yeah. so we wanted to discuss the kickstarter that you guys uh, have set up right now. And uh, I don't know if you guys yes. wanted to go into the different tiers. Sure. Yeah, we could do yeah, that. And Yeah, and maybe, I don't know if you want to announce each tier. I could try to do it in a announcer voice. What would you prefer? <laughs> uh, hey, I love hearing your announcer yeah, voice. Yeah, I do I, like I your think, announcer voice. Oh, God. I think we got to do this. I'm yeah. kind of partial yeah, to it, actually. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so let's see. So we have... It would be the the first pledge, which is a single class deck, uh, a single class deck of your choice. Choose between sorcerer, spell sword, well, all of them, cleric, druid, fencer, bard, ranger, or one of the stretch goal classes. So I guess that would be if yes. you guys hit the the major stretch goals. Um, which I did make a note of it. The those stretch goals. So before I guess before I get into that, I just want to bring them up just so that I don't keep saying the stretch goals. You had 
Samurai, which sounds right. freaking awesome. But yeah, I'll use the the radio voice for that. Weapon mastery. You're not just any samurai. Showcase a mastery of movements and precision that will drop your opponent where they stand. Unsheath your blade with this new classic deck. Oh, oh. yeah, that gave beautiful. Me, that was amazing. It gave me goosebumps. Chills, right? Goosebumps. <laughs> Then we got the am I am I going to say this right? Scion. Yeah, Scion. Yes. Yep. That's right. Scion. Yeah. So Psychic that's, that's strength. Right. Oh, go. Oh no no I was I wasn't going to make you read them all that way. <laughs> oh okay that's fair enough. Yeah but that psychic strength not just any Scion unleash Eldritch psych. Wow I can't <laughs> speak today. Psionic powers at overwhelm the senses and melt the mind bewilder confuse and control with this new class deck. And then the last one is a witch. Toil and trouble. You're not just any witch. Disrupt your opponent with prophecies and omens as you cook up a strategy that will leave them lifeless. Dictate the fates with this new class deck. So those are the... Uh, the Bravo. Yeah, that you. was amazing. <laughs> those are the uh, stretch goal classes. Right. Yeah, so basically so like, at that tier, so you come in at at mm-hmm. 15 so we normally um sell our decks at 16.99 uh but for the kickstarter we're just doing slightly reduced pricing and trying to keep it at like you know easy numbers to to kind of follow along with and uh cool. so at the 15 dollar tier um basically you just pick a class so at the end of the campaign what we'll do is for everyone who pledged at 15 we're just going to send you a survey We'll say, here are all the available classes, you know, including the ones that may have been unlocked. Pick which one, you know, you want, basically. And when we fulfill your pledge, we'll send you that one. It's modular. So, like, let's say you want three of the 11 classes, right? Assuming we hit all stretch goals. Um, then uh, you would just pledge $45. And then when we send you the survey, you would pick three, right? Mm-hmm. Um so that's really what that first tier is. It's just cool. It's setting the price essentially that each right. class deck in the Kickstarter is fifteen bucks. Excellent. So yeah, and then the following one would be a pledge of a hundred dollars or more, and you just get all the class decks that are uh, made in that right. campaign. Right. Yeah. So this is yeah, kind so of this, the, the this, this is the Costco model, right? Buy in bulk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah. if you do a hundred bucks, you get all seven. So if you were to just do the quick math. That comes out to, you know, you basically buy six, get one free. Um, if the stretch goal classes are unlocked, you buy six and can get, you know, what is that? Five free, right? If there are mm. 11, again, assuming we hit all stretch goals. Oh, yeah. Right. So the $100 tier is basically all it says is just you get every class that is made via this campaign. Mm-hmm. Hard stop. Like, yeah. just keep it simple, stupid, you know? <laughs> That's very cool. And then the next one is, oh, I skipped it, 200 or more. And that's, you get the signed limited edition. That's one of each class deck made via the campaign and signed uncut card sheets. Yeah. So, so this is um, uh, everything from the previous, at this point forward, what you're going to start seeing is you're going to start seeing either duplicates of the things before and then tag on additional stuff um it's kind of just building on itself um and this one is is everything all the classes similar to the previous one we just discussed 
but it also comes with the uh, what's called you know the signed uncut sheets. When you have a printer, and this is something I, I got questioned on um, on our Discord, and I was explaining it on Discord earlier. Uh, when you have a printer, uh, they're going to go and normally print off sheets. I think it's eleven of the of the cards are in a row and five tall mm-hmm. on on the specific printer that we're we're working with. Um, but it changes printer to printer. Um, but that gives you a size, a, a generic size for how how big, how wide, how you know length and width. width. Um, but those then get cut directly after that. But let's say for some reason you want to use that as as wall art or or some type of um, decorative uh, unit because you really can't play with you know oh I'm going to play fifty five cards down on the table all at once um, but you can put it on 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 a, on a wall and 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 frame it honestly I I do that with almost all my art um, is is frame it and then you can have a varia. Um, sheet uncut of the original print run for the second this this next seven that we're doing um and not only that but ant and me have limited it so that way our john hancocks don't get hurt too much mm-hmm. on this one because we're, we're going to sign each of them for you guys um so that's what the signed limited edition level is very cool uh looks like the next one is for retailers uh three hundred dollars or more and it looks like you get five times every single uh deck made so right. that's very cool. Uh, it's a good thing. Listen up. I don't know if we have any retailers listening, but listen up, retailers, and uh, get your stuff. <laughs> yeah, this is right. This is our LGS tier, right? Like, yeah, it's aggressively discounted so that they can, you know, buy a bunch of decks and then turn them around essentially and make a profit. So that was one thing that I, that we talked to you guys about last time we were here. Like, we're, we really want to work with local game stores and do our best to make sure that they're supported. Um, You know, we both are huge fans of our local shops. Um, You know, Carl, if you happen to be listening, I don't know if that's possible, but we love you, buddy. Um, Any chance we can to to kind of support them and keep them in the loop, uh, we're going to do that. So that's really what that tier is, is there for. Very cool. And then it looks like the last one is a pledge of 3000 or more, which is the Executive Producer Edition. Oh, boy. It has one of each class uh, via this campaign, uh, one of each of Varia's seven classic decks, uh, signed uncut card sheets, commemor- a commemorative machined V-case, uh, your likeness depicted in a Varia card. Oh, that sounds cool. Uh, and a special acknowledgement on product, on the product, and on their website. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the start with this one, uh, and then I'm gonna pass it off to Ant on this one. So, uh, to understand this one, you're gonna have to understand um, my a little bit of my engineering background on it. Um, I used to work for a solid oxide fuel cell company and designed uh, specifically fixture design for for it, and I'll work with a lot work with a lot of metals, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the really cool thing that I got to do is play around. I got to design things from scratch in SolidWorks, send them out, you know, work within the the machining companies and be like, I know exactly what I'm getting. I know exactly what, how to do the entire thing. The only thing I really need the machinist for honestly is to run the specific, you know, whatever mill or 
you know, cause we only had a hand jammer. Right. So, mm-hmm. so what I mean by that is we didn't ha- have a DRO, right. You d- didn't have a digital readout for those for you guys at home who have no idea what I'm talking about here. So ours was like really old. It was not exactly the, um, the creme de la creme. Um, so I, I'm, I'm familiar with that technology. I'm not super familiar with these fancy five axis. Oh, you have, you know, everything under the sun um, linked to, to uh, some type of computer catted program. And I'm pretty sure SolidWorks can do it directly from, but digressing, um, I'm familiar with that. And so I, I, I went to, and I said to Ann, I was like, you know, um, I, we got to get something for, for the, the, the big fish out there who, who are really going to, sink their teeth into something that really are looking at this and going, okay, I want more than just a card game. I want something that's commemorative, something I can just kind of, you know, put on a wall. Right. And I, that's why I said, and so that's kind of also where the, the signed limited edition sheets come from, but this one takes it one step further in that we're designing from scratch. We've, we've already kind of started to see some of the sketches down there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we're designing from scratch, the Varia logo. And what we are doing is we are using that as not only a, a box that, you know, it's, it's in my, in my honest opinion and viewers out there, I, I love the box. I want to say this. I think it's one of the best, you know, I have, I don't know if you guys, unfortunately, those of you guys who are listening to the podcast aren't going to be able to see this, but I have the, the end milled um, machined plates for, for the, you know, I originally did this all, we did this um, shout out to, to Pete over um he knows who he is on the on the program but uh shout out to pete who who was able to go and and push some stuff for us um but we got those made out of aluminum we tested out everything um it was perfect but um we wanted something that we could not only take and was durable because one of the things i have in my in my house um upstairs is i have a very limited edition of a magic product that came with its own custom box um, and it wasn't just a one deck, two deck. No, this thing had, I think it was um, one, two, three, four, five, six, 12 decks in it, right? And each of them had a custom everything to it. And the problem became, it was beautiful, right? Everything was beautiful. Everything was holographic on them. Um, the problem became it, it deteriorated. Mm. I hate to say it, but like, and as a collector, I, I'm, I'm a person who's a collector. I, I'm, I'm going to just say it out there right now. I, I have a hard time letting go of things, um, not in a, in a way that's like, oh, he's a hoarder, but um, I don't make those shows. Um, but what happens is I, I end up with the, a, a lot of stuff and I'm like, oh, I like that. That looks nice. I want to have that and put on display. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, it was disappointing that I had this beautiful box that completely just... I couldn't display because for fear of it falling apart on me, I really wanted to put it on a wall. So I was determined um, that, uh, it, it, you know, we have to go metal. We have to do something that's going to be robust. That way the person can walk around with this thing if they really want to take it. And it's going to take the abuse, right? If you, God forbid, you're using, you know, cause that tier, I'm going to point this out was, was $3,000. <laughs> Um, like it wasn't a small tier, um, mm-hmm. but you, you be able to take it around with you if you wanted to, or it'll look good enough that we can go and you can have it put on your wall. Right. Um, so want to do that. And then I, I pitched it to Ant and Ant's like, it's a brilliant idea. I love it. Blah, 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 blah. He went, you know, he got all excited and everything. Um, <laughs> and, and then what happens is I came back and I remember the kicks. Yeah, you, you did. Well, no, first, no, you, first, 
Yeah. At first you were like, oh, you know, I don't know if I would I'd buy something that was just a box. And then I was like, okay. And then you started throwing things. I out. added the art, the put your face on the art thing. So, so yeah. basically well, you started throwing the kitchen sink. It wasn't just yeah, that. There was you other started stuff. throwing everything. The, the, the real, cards became foil. Like the real yeah, idea is nuts. The real idea <laughs> is we wanted to create a tier for people who really, really believed in the product and really yes. wanted to see it succeed. That's, that's really the point. And yeah. so that price point is, is almost them investing in us, not so much like, oh, I want the V box, I, but I want this product to succeed, right? And so the box is awesome in that, to Sean's point, not only is it super durable, and if you're, you know, because it is a collector's item, there's only going to ever be three of them made, right? Um, but it's durable in that you can collect it and not worry about it getting tarnished or anything. But also it's kind of like a trophy for you, the person who pledged at that tier. Like it's something that you can keep in your home that reminds you of the fact that, that you were a part of kind of like this journey with us, this like Kickstarter to really increase Varya and, and make it better. Right. On so that's like their personal quote unquote trophy that only they will see because there's only three of them and it will be in their house, right? On the flip side, we also wanted to make sure that they were they had a trophy that everyone could see. All you know, players and members of the Varia community could see that this individual really wanted to be a part of this project right and so that's where being part of the art and taking their likeness and putting it into a card art now i'm i'm not i may not be kind when i commission those artworks these people may <laughs> be getting burned alive or hit by lightning bolts or something right but you know you'll look at that card and you'll see the person and you'll be able mm -hmm. to remember and say like oh yeah lightning conduit like that person getting shocked, they were one of the, you know, executive producer pledgers. And it's because of them that we got to the Aeon. And it's because of them that we were able to, you know, have all this extra fun stuff, you know? So sure. it's, it's really the whole point of that tier is to just say like, is there anyone out there who really believes in us? And if you do, then the two, the two kind of like major things that you get are this like hyper collectible version of the game where you get every single class deck, they're all holographic foil, they're all encased in this like custom-made box, and then on the game side of things, you're like immortalized literally in the art of the game itself, you know? Yeah. That's, that's, very that's cool. really like the crux of the, of the tier. A trophy is a very good way to, to put it. Like, you believed enough to give us $3,000 and we're not going to disappoint you. So we threw the kitchen sink at it. And, and that's what I was trying to get at. We, I was going right. down item by item to say how ridiculously overtuned and, like, beautiful that everything would be. Um, but Ant yeah. is, is, is succinct in this one in that we, we yeah, really we try to make lightly, it as good. Is, is really yeah. the thing. Like, we're, we're, we're yeah. acknowledging the fact that those and and what's crazy to me and exciting is that they're all gone like those yeah. they're we put three of them on the kickstarter and they're all like they're gone oh wow <laughs> three people That's bought crazy them, right so it's we recognize 
what that meant for them. And, and we want to make sure that um, what they're getting from us is like an equal level of uh, mm-hmm. respect, right? Like they're willing to back us that much. So we want to make sure that we turn around and say like, look, like we, we really appreciate that. And this is kind of our way of making sure that it's, you know, known, I guess. Yeah. Totally. We don't want to just take three grand and be like, oh, cool. Like we'll send you a deck in the mail. Like, no, <laughs> yeah, that would <laughs> be a disappointment. Box. Right. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the yeah. best thing, is, or at least the funniest thing is what their art might end up becoming. Like you right. said, like they may end up being <laughs> yeah. the guy who's set on fire or, yeah. or, or getting struck I don't know. by we'll lightning. We'll have to see. I think what yeah. might be fun is, and I, I don't know, maybe we can let the backers, the other backers pick, like, do they burn? Do they get electrocuted? Oh. <laughs> do they get dunked, dunked in acid? Like, what's happening right. here? Oh, my God. Backers' choice. Yeah, that's great. Beautiful. Do you guys plan to uh, work with... Uh, some of the same uh, artists that you worked with for the original seven. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah. And, and we have more like we're, I'm constantly trolling our art station for like, you know, more people who I think would, would, you know, fit our style. Um, I have uh, recently, a lot of artists have reached out to us through our website and they, they're phenomenal. Like, Oh my gosh. It's, 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 I love when that happens because it's like somebody did my homework for me, you know, like, because normally I have to go out and, and find artists. Um, but yeah, we have, we have some new artists who are really, really talented. We're really excited you know, to be working with them. We're also, we have a lot of returning artists um, who really kind of like helped sell the original seven, you know, like the visuals. Um, yeah. And uh, we, you know, we worked with them again. So there'll be some familiar faces. There'll be some, some, you know, young bloods as my friend Mike used to call them. Um, Cause we do want to always keep changing. And, and like, I think that's something that, that really will help the game kind of like, you know, feel fresh over time. Like we obviously we want to have that core kind of visual hook where things are aggressive and in your face. We have a, we do a lot of first um, person shots where, you know, it's something's coming right at you or, or a character is literally punching the camera, right? Because we want you to feel like you're on the front lines. Um, but we want to con- continue to have different artists and pick different artists to really fit the narrative of the class so for example the witch if she is all kind of or he we don't even know yet but all like toil and trouble and and that sort of thing like we want to pick artists who will be able to deliver that kind of vibe whereas for the cleric that might that might call for a a different style or sense of light or something like that so we try to not only mix it up but also pick artists who naturally have an affinity for the the kind of moods that we need if that makes sense yeah definitely the uh other thing i'm gonna make this a public service announcement um if any artists out there are listening do me a favor don't text me i i I appreciate that you know you guys somehow found my number and you know um go apply through the portal (laughs) apply through the our our portal on guildhousegamesllc.com 
um, it, it goes a lot further because I, I have a hard time keeping up with my texts. And sometimes I worry that people are just spam. Wait, like sometimes that happens. But I thought you told me when I set up the portal that I should make your phone number. <laughs> oh, dang it. That's what's been happening. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. It goes to yeah. our it goes to our uh, official inbox, and and we check it religiously. So, yeah, if, if you are out there, if you're you know an artist, even if you're right out of school, like we have some people who are yeah. fresh out of school, and they are awesome, and they mm-hmm. are like super excited to be working on, you know, games and stuff, and they have. We love new ideas. Like if you send me a portfolio or you send Sean a portfolio with a bunch of gnomes playing, you know, liars, like that's not, that's not what we want. Like (laughs) we want to see something. I constantly say this whenever I'm commissioning art is like, show me something that is fantasy, but I've never seen before. Like, I don't want to see just another dude in armor. Like it's overdone. There's so many games out there now that are all painting dudes in armor. Like I want to see something different. And that's when you get like, all right, well, what if it's a guy who's in armor, but he's slowly transforming into a dragon and his wings are popping out the back, but they're not really formed yet, so they more look like a cape. I'm like, mm. yeah, do that. Like, I want to see that. That sounds cool, you know? <laughs> totally. Where can people find you guys and where can they find the Kickstarter so that they could uh, contribute? Yeah, so, I mean, so our Kickstarter just launched today. Um we're already at like 80%, I think last time I checked, funded, which just like it's bananas. Like I can't even, I still, I'm still kind of in shock. Um, but I would say for right now, that's the best thing to do. Like go check out the Kickstarter because um, that has really links to kind of everything that we're doing right now. Um, and then also our website. So guildhousegamesllc.com. Uh, has a link to Varia and and like all of the, you know, stuff uh, regarding Varia is on there. Those are really like the two kind of best resources right now that exist. Um, But one thing that I did really want to mention is like for the Kickstarter, um, over the course of the month, we're going to be trying to do a lot of fun things, you know, with our backers, like different streams and and you know events and that sort of thing but really the the meat of the fun is going to come after it's you know knock on wood backed because you know what we're going to do is is really we're planning to involve our backers as much as we can um so that they can experience uh, some of the things that we get to experience behind the scenes. So when an artist sends us sketches and we have to pick a sketch that will then become the final art, mm-hmm. rather than us just doing that in a silo, we want to include our backers and say, hey, guys, here, and guys, girls, you know, whomever, right? Here are the three options that we have. Here's where we're leaning, but what do you think? Like, which one of these do you think w- would, would be best for the card? Right. right? Or what I was talking to earlier, like we have one of our executive producer backers, they've chosen to be on a card where they're getting hit by a spell. What do you want them to get hit by? Like right. a skull, a lightning bolt or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, or even, you know, have a, and I'm not even sure how we would do this yet. We'd have to figure it out, but have a, um, 
private stream where we are we have decks at like mark nine and we're we're really really sure that this is how they're going to be you know because we've been playtesting these decks for nine ten months now and and we have these seven classes like pretty fleshed out like they're ready to go but maybe let everyone have a sneak peek and see if there's something that they're like that we are missing and we just don't see it yeah. you know they'll be like hey uh that's a cleric right where's uh xyz and we're like oh wow like yeah we we totally missed that like let's add it in you know yeah. um basically give them an alpha so to speak mm-hmm. right um an alpha version of the game to kind of try out with us before it gets launched um so really in really in joining the kickstarter uh, what what you would what you'd be doing is you would get to kind of go on that journey essentially and and really be be part of uh the finalization of the product which which will be really cool and that and that'll take place over you know months yeah. essentially excellent yeah it sounds like it would be a really cool collaborative experience um and we'll definitely make sure to post uh the links to your kickstarter and your website and all, all over our social medias um I can't thank you guys enough for coming on and and talking about this awesome game again. No, thank thank you. And uh, yeah, no problem. And I, I apologize for my crappy internet. I don't know what's going to say. On. If we hit the two hundred thousand dollar mark, we're gonna fix Ant's internet. That's yes. That's super super stretch goal there. Um, there you go. But I also owe you, you just just I don't forget. Uh, we owe you the Central Park game. Uh, whenever whenever this whole thing passes yes. over. I still, I'm going to travel up there and get you guys in a game. Well, yes, we'll go to Central Park. We'll find a, a nice bench somewhere or, uh, or a table. We'll kick the, one of those people yeah. uh, who's playing chess. We'll kick them out of their seat. <laughs> uh, and we'll be like, we're playing now. Uh, our turf, yes, that would be great. Yes, our turf. But yeah, thank you guys so much. Thanks uh, to our friend Eric for uh, filling in last minute. It was a pleasure. If you liked this episode of The Poncho Section, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast player. Follow us on the social medias, Facebooks, Twitters, Instagrams. Type The Poncho Section and look for Headley the Duck. Do you want to support The Poncho Section and show that support? Well, get yourself some Poncho Section merch. We got t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, hoodies, phone cases, art prints, stickers, and mugs. Just go to theponchosection.com, scroll down to the bottom, and click Merch. And finally, if you want to be featured on an episode of The Poncho Section, send a voice memo to ponchosection at gmail.com, and we'll play it in an upcoming episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to The Poncho Section. Peace! Peace!